Are you ready for the Word? Father, we thank You for the good Word of God this morning. Thank You, Holy Spirit, for administrating, teaching us who we are in You and who You are in us. We love You. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're talking about the centrality of Jesus. This is where we've been. Of course, last year we talked about knowing His person, knowing His works. And then this year we're focusing on knowing His teaching and obeying Him. Yep. We don't want to just know the truth. We want to hear His voice and then do the things that He that He says. Again, if you're new with us, that's super important that we not only help you hear His voice because He does speak in spirit and in truth uh, via Scripture. He can speak in a lot of different ways. But we want you to be able to apply the truth as well and do what He asks you to do. So a major teaching of Jesus Christ is on truth. Here's John 4, verse 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So that's the woman at the well. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you'll neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. In other words, it's not going to be about a place Verse 22, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we worship for salvation is the Jews, uh, from the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. How many of you know because the spirit of God is in you, truth, the person of Christ is in you, you can worship him wherever, whenever. You are not relegated to a temple or a place or a church building. You are the church. You are the indwelt tabernacle of living God. Somebody give God praise this morning because it's true. And the Father is seeking such worshipers. He's not hung up on the place. He wants it to come from your heart. From sincerity, from the inside, God is spirit, verse 24, and those who worship him must do so in spirit and in truth. So Jesus introduces to Pilate, I've had that up there for a long time, in John 18, he said one of the reasons he was made manifest was to bear witness of truth, the realm called truth. First John 5, 6 says the spirit realm is the truth, that's the real reality, the parent reality we call it. And so since he taught on truth, we want you to be able to walk in truth, apply the truth, uh, be transformed by truth, not just be aware of it, but reprioritize your life based on truth. And so what we've looked at is a few of them. Number one, a renewed mind put on the mind of Christ. Touch your neighbor and say, put him on. Okay, you got to put on the mind of Christ. You have a renewed mind as a born-again child of God. That's His gift to you. So that's a, a weapon that we have. Let me share this with you. We did a funeral here yesterday, and boy, I was just so quickened. How many of you ever heard the song Firm Foundation by Maverick City? Listen to the lyrics. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I'll never have been more glad. Because I put my faith in Jesus and He's never let me down. Faithful through the generations. Why would He fail now? He won't, He won't. Look at this. I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I'm not going under. I'm not held by my own strength. Because I've built my life on Jesus. No other foundation can be laid, right? Or should be laid. The centrality of Jesus. We've been talking about it. 
He's our firm foundation. Rain came, winds blew, but it all stood. So I was quickened again. This is the realm Jesus bore witness to. So the, the couple that sang that song at a funeral, his father had just passed away. How many of you know there's great sorrow with that? And yet while he's singing, why does he have joy? Because he's accessing realities that are not immediately present to him in the natural realm. This is the reality that Jesus came to bear witness to Pilate and everybody else existed. The realm of truth. There's a reality greater than what you feel and you experience and you see in the natural earthly realm and he said rejoice be of good cheer i've given you access to this other realm in the natural world john 16 33 you'll have trial and tribulation you'll suffer it'll happen because man has free will in this dimension and he chooses wrong a lot but be of good cheer i've overcome the natural world by giving you access to spirit i've given you access to truth the fact may be his father passed away but the truth that was manifesting in his heart is that uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord he knows his dad is not dead his dad is with his father in heaven come on give him praise this morning amen So that's the realm he bears witness of. And that's, we want you living in truth. That's how you're going to live a victorious life. Not everything is going to look and feel like victory. But 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, This is the victory that's overcome the natural world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the natural world, but he who's born of the Spirit? Born of the Spirit of God. Another one, walk by faith, not by sight. I just kind of covered that. Number three, redeem spiritual disciplines from a new covenant perspective. So there's spiritual disciplines in Scripture. We're kind of in Lent season. I don't know if you guys uh, know much about that. Uh, it's something that goes on within Christendom uh, throughout the world uh, leading up to Easter. But spiritual disciplines, uh, fasting, prayer, meditation, those things, uh, don't make us more holy than somebody else. Uh, they don't, they don't make God love us or anything like that. He already loves you. Okay? What it does is that those things align you. They're weapons that align you with the real reality. Because you're constantly, uh, abiding in truth and washing yourself in the Word of God, you're able to overcome, uh, when the natural is not dealing you a very good set of cards, so to speak. It acclimates you to the real reality Jesus bore witness of. Spiritual disciplines are 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not worldly. They're mighty through God. What are our weapons? Well, things like prayer, fasting, access to truth, praying in the Spirit. Whatever it may be, it's washing you and acclimating you to truth. Does that make sense to you? So we talked about... uh, the last couple of weeks, meditation. Now, how many of you have quit staying up all night pondering worst-case scenarios? Because that's meditation. Stop doing it. If you want to stay up all night, meditate on truth. Bathe yourself in the real reality. Well, I feel afflicted. Well, what's the Word of God say? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. So you apply the Word. You, you bathe yourself in truth. Write this one down, Matthew 12, verse 35. What a powerful statement Jesus makes. The good man brings forth good things out of the good that he stores up in his heart. Now that's meditation. Are you storing up each and every day 
good things in your heart. Whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is worthy of praise. Amen. Meditate on these things. Philippians 4, 8. So are you storing up good things about God? Are you storing up good things about yourself and who God says you are? The most humble thing you can do is agree with who God says you are in His Word. And then number three, are you storing up good things about others? If you struggle at work, don't go into work without storing up some good things in your heart because Jesus said in the same passage, verse 34, whatever's in your heart in abundance will come flying out of your mouth. <laughs> Matthew twelve thirty-four: out of an abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then verse 35, he says this, good man, a good man brings forth good things out of the good that's stored up in. How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Make sure every day you're storing up good things about your spouse. Don't just keep a record of all the dumb things they do. (laughs) Or all the things that rub you the wrong way. Don't meditate on those. Store up all the good things. (laughs) How many of you have children? (laughs) Store up the good about Johnny. So we've been on meditation, but today I want to talk about prayer. At least 25 times in the Gospels we read of Jesus praying. So let's look at Luke 5, 16. So he himself often, everybody say often, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Well, if Jesus often needed to go to the secret place with his father, you and I sure enough need to venture into the secret place alone with the father. At times, it says that Jesus often uh, by himself went to the secret place of prayer. This means he made a habit of it. Can I ask you a question just real quick? Off the, am I too loud? I feel like I'm ringing a little bit. <laughs> Stan, what? Uh, I don't even see anybody back there, but somebody... Somebody could just take me down a notch. I would really appreciate that. It's kind of ringing where I am. <laughs> Hopefully the rapture didn't happen and we lost our sound man. So if it says he often withdrew for prayer, isolation with the Father, then it clearly was a habit and something that we can get into. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught... Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, his followers about prayer. I call it secret place prayer because you're just getting alone uh, with the Father. It's a spiritual discipline. Prayer is a decision you make to be alone with your Father and spend time with Him in spirit and in truth. So let's look at Matthew 6 verse 5. This is the message Bible. And when you come, this is Jesus speaking. When you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production. <laughs> Oh man. We've have you ever seen that? Or somebody bragging on how much they pray or Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have faith, you can give your body a burnt offering, you can speak with tongues and of angels, but you have not love, you're annoying. That's what he's describing. Is you're annoying if you're just promoting yourself and you really don't care about prayer. You just care more what people think about you. 
So all these people making a regular show of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God has a box seat? (laughs) Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense. Did you catch that? The focus is not you. The focus of prayer is not you. The focus of prayer is Him. And you'll begin to sense His grace, His favor, His presence. And the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice. Look at this. Peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense, Jesus said. This is your Father you're dealing with, and He knows better than you what you need. Amen. So don't waste all your time on need-based prayer. He's not getting new information from you. Like, oh my goodness, Stacy, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me that in prayer. I wouldn't have known that. God's not getting new information, so don't spend all your time, you know, telling Him what you think you need. He knows better than you even what you have need of. I want to say this too. The better your secret place and private time with Jesus, the better your public expression of Him. The, the deeper your private time with Jesus, the better your public expression of Jesus. Okay, you're not going to have one without the other. Get to know Him. Use prayer as a place you go to know Him. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they would know you, the one and only true God, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So what if prayer isn't a place where we tell God what we want, what we need Him to do, align Him with what we're doing, Right? I like to say it this way. Don't use prayer to get him up to on what you're down to. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> what if we saw prayer as a place of intimacy? A secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall, uh, come on, shall abide. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Prayer is a place we go to sit in truth, to sit in the Spirit, to get acclimated to the real reality so that when the natural realm deals us a damaging blow, we're not without hope, we're not without truth. I'll say it again. The world didn't give you joy. The world can't take it away. If your peace isn't coming from the natural world around you, then that the people and circumstances can't take it from you. It's coming from the Prince of Peace. Amen. Secret place prayer is where we align ourselves with His plans instead of aligning Him with our plans. The Lord said this to me, Steve, how can you even know? And I was a pastor. I'd probably been pastoring 15 years. And he said, Steve, how can you know my heart and my plans if you're not getting them from me? <laughs> Well, you know, there's conferences, Lord. I go to conferences. Uh, I'm online. I'm listening to other people. (laughs) You're welcome. I don't mind telling on myself. I really don't. That whole book out there on the bookshelf is uh, Reformations in Prayer. That's the first book I ever wrote. Reformations in Prayer, 2015. He shattered all my prayer life and prayer ideas. He told me I was (laughs) self-centered. 
He said, I want to move you away from need-based, fear-based, begging prayer. And I want to move you to prayer as a place of intimacy where you get, get to know me. Yeah. He said, you need to listen more. You talk too much. He did. And he said, I already know you. You're not telling me anything new, but you need to know me. So why don't you listen? Yeah, see, <laughs> you're talking to the same guy I'm talking to. He said this too. He said, uh, Steve, I like your plans, but mine are a lot better. And then he said, would you be interested in taking time to listen to me in prayer? I said, yes. So in that book, he gives me like six reformations. By the way, I told you last week we had true you. I was wrong. They didn't get delivered because of the ice storm. It wasn't my fault. Uh, I had the email that they were coming, but they didn't come. But we do have true you books out there now. If you want to get acceptable meditations, page three and four. So... uh, he wanted me to start listening to his voice. Can I see my phone there, honey? Right there. He wanted me to start listening to his voice. And uh, we want you to be able to do that. Now, I think Eat the Word, which is Eat the Word. We had an Eat the Word night. I don't know if you remember that last year. Um, it's where you really dig deep into the Scripture. You're looking up definitions, cross-references. And then in the end, and, and several other things, word repetition. In the end, though, you're listening. I think it's the best part. What does he want to say? Lord, I know what this passage says, but what do you want to say to me through this passage? So we have this tool called Eat the Word that can absolutely help you if you're not very far along in hearing his voice well. It'll help you hear the voice of the Lord through the integrity of Scripture. And that's really good because it's different than saying, Hey, Jaretta, uh, I know you're struggling to hear his voice, but go to the prayer closet and turn the light off for an hour and come out and tell me what you... I mean, she might say, well, I saw a ship sailing in the night and there were wild four-footed beasts around. <laughs> but if I said, here's John 3.16, go sit with him in it. You know, what, what's highlighted to you? And then at the end, say, Lord, I know what this passage says, but what do you want to say to me? So how many of you have been to either Eat the Word Night or you know how to eat the Word? Raise your hand. Let's see. So if you struggle hearing the voice of the Lord, look at all those hands. You Raise them. Come on, people. We're not hiding here. <laughs> so if you struggle hearing the voice of the Lord, get with any one of these. Get with somebody and let them walk you through Eat the Word. So I, I got this from Laura Harp. And I think Laura is actually back there in, uh, in kids. Is that right, Annie? Is she back in? Yeah. Okay. Here's what Laura Harp said about Eat the Word. Eat the Word has opened a door that I thought was locked to me. I have discovered that He, the Lord, designed me and fashioned me to be attuned to His voice and rhema, which rhema is just uh, the Word of God in a relational way, Him speaking to you. Oh, did you hear that? It's the Word of God in a relational way. He wants a relationship with you. Go back to the garden. That's original intent. That's, you know, walking and talking with him. Before, she says, I always read the word, the Bible, to extract the wisdom and apply the principles in my own understanding. But eating the word has changed the experience for me with Scripture to divine love exchanged between a father and his child. Powerful, powerful, powerful. If we're about anything in this church... 
It is that you would know him intimately. That you would walk with him. Well, I don't want you to get to heaven and be shocked at what Jesus is like. I want you to know him and hear him here. He paid a high price to come live on the inside of you. You realize he only died for you because he wanted his spirit inside of you. The disciples knew him way better after he left. It's in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit, he, he comes, of course, he breathed on him in John 20, verse 22. But we see in the book of Acts how all of a sudden, man, they get it. And they're willing to lay their lives down for him or anybody else. They knew him intimately. They knew him better. And so Christ comes inside so you can know him intimately. And so he can make himself known to others through you. Because he does care about other people knowing him too. Fair enough? So I'm going to say this again. Laura said, Eating the Word has changed the experience of Scripture to divine love exchanged between a father and his child and opened a door to experiencing the love and the unity that we are all designed for. So you saw the hands. If you need help hearing the voice of the Lord, we want to help you. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. We're talking about prayer. It says, Speak, Lord, your servant is... Listening. It does not say, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. (laughs) And it's your birthright to hear the voice of God. That's your birthright as his child. He begot you so you could connect to him, hear him, and do the things he asked you to do. Amen? That's your birthright. Psalm 85 verse 8 says, I'll hear what the Lord my God shall speak, and he will speak peace, shalom, to his saints. He's speaking peace to us. Oh, come on, Holy Ghost. Let us see it. Let us see it. While there are times to let God know what's on your heart. Scripture talks about that. You can let God know what's in your heart. There's times for that. But he's not getting new information. Okay, that's really for you to just be communicating with him. So utilize, balance that by utilizing prayer to know what's on God's heart. Why, Brother Steve? Why is this important? Listen, because the world doesn't look nearly as intimidating when you are walking out the God of the universe's day instead of asking Him to bless whatever it is you're doing. Your plan is not graced and anointed and has universal backing. His plan has grace and anointing and universal backing. So it's important that you're hearing Him and then doing what He's asking you to do today. Listen to what Dallas Willard said. I love Dallas Willard. He said, prayer is talking with God about what we're doing together today. So the world looks so less intimidating when you're walking with the God of the universe in what He wants to do today. And then guess what? All the results are up to Him. You don't feel any pressure or burden to go produce something, which is a lie anyway. You can't produce anything apart from Him. Oh, amen. Prayer is a way of us co-laboring with God to accomplish His will and advance His kingdom. I know that we wish God would just take everything over and then it all, it all just, it, can I get a witness that if he were sovereignly micromanaging every decision, everything that's happening on this planet, it would look way better than it does. So clearly you're his partner. He wants to partner with us. He gave you the earth suit. Remember what we said a few weeks ago that the God who is in the unseen put his unseen spirit Inside your unseen spirit, the one who's on the scene for him. So we're his partner in this endeavor. Interesting, we don't find Jesus in the Bible 
praying need-based, fear-based, self-centered prayers. And Jesus is perfect theology. He is the picture of the new covenant believer, a father-son relationship begotten by the Spirit of God. Well, he's not praying need-based or fear-based or self-centered prayers, but he did pray this one, not my will, but thine will be done. He prayed that. And he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when, when we're praying that way, it doesn't mean we should pray for his kingdom to come into existence. It's already in existence. We're praying for the kingdom to take over in all personal, social, individual, and political realms. Wherever his rule is being excluded, that's what we're praying. Lord, thy kingdom come. And, you know, let's start with ourselves. Lord, what areas in my heart do I need your kingdom rule? Where am I trying to drive and making a mess of everything? Amen, somebody. In prayer, you can partner with Him. Let's say your marriage is really struggling. You can spend all day long praying, God, I just wish we could have peace in our home and in our marriage. You know what He's going to say? Will you let me use you to bring peace to your home and your marriage? Don't ever pray a prayer you're not willing to put your own life in action behind. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then what did he do? Say, well, hope it works. No, then he died for the remission and forgiveness of all of our sin. So rather than praying, oh God, please heal our home, say, Father, use me to bring healing and peace to the home. Use me. And when you guys are fighting like cats and dogs, how many of you know somebody's got to go first? Somebody's got to offer an olive branch somewhere. We can't just keep escalating into World War III and Scud missiles and all that. So who should go first? Whichever one of you is more spiritual. <laughs> Which one of you is more mature? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. Ron said, yeah, they're going to fight over that. No, I went first. I'm more spiritual. Humble yourselves. Everybody say, humble yourselves, people. Proverbs 13.10. Write that down. Study it together. Only by pride comes strife and contention. I wish it said sometimes. But it says only. If you're fighting all the time, your pride is in the way. And God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Amen. <laughs> yeah, hit you with the olive branch I was offering you. <laughs> Some great truths regarding prayer in the new covenant. You know, we, uh, we live right here. We live under God's new covenant economy at Grace Church. Okay? I love the Old Testament. I love the Old Covenant. We can learn so much. There's so much in Scripture. Everything in Scripture is for you. Not everything in Scripture is to you and applies to you. That You ought to be applying Old Testament law somehow to your relationship with God. It's all for you and for your understanding, but it's not all to you. You need to be relating to God through the New Covenant lens that Jesus Christ got. 
There is no initiating of covenant in Scripture without the shedding of blood. What do you think he was doing on the cross? He was shedding blood to initiate a brand new covenant, which uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 through 13, he outlined, or not he, but uh, the author of Hebrews outlines the five terms of the new covenant. So anyway, we have this lens. This is how we relate to God, and these come through in how we pray because most of the Western model of prayer is transactional-based, law-based, performance-based, need-based Right? Gimme, gimme, gimme. My middle name is Jimmy. My last name is Moore. That's how I was taught to pray. Tell God everything you need because he don't know. Man, and another thing. He's not way off just in heaven somewhere. He's in you. You know how many years I prayed even in ministry like God was way up there somewhere? He's in here. We're together. All right, so the work of prayer is to be silent and listen to the voice that says good things about you. That's the real work of prayer is to be silent and listen. Number two, the purpose of prayer is relationship, not religion. Prayer helps us learn His voice. Know Him. It's not another thing to prove that we're spiritual. Number three, the focus of prayer is self-surrender, not self-assertion. You're aligning yourself with God's will in prayer, not aligning Him with yours. Don't shout me down, everybody. I'm preaching good. Number four, the place of prayer is resting in the Lord's presence wherever you are, exchanging your desires for His. And then number five, the dialogue of prayer is two-way. You should not be the one doing most or all the talking. The Lord said to me, Steve, I already know you, so maybe you should let me talk so you can know me. (laughs) Isn't that fun? Three people excited. (laughs) Three people. We want to relate to God through a new covenant lens, and so we pray in partnership. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, Whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. You're not trying to get somewhere with Him. He's in you. Learn to rest in Him, enjoy Him, honor Him, partner with Him. Everything you're doing, you're doing from His love. From his acceptance, not for it. And like I've said many times, he wouldn't be living in you right now if he hadn't paid the full price for your sin. Now, that doesn't mean that when we blow it, I mean, if you're like me, I blow it, I'm convicted, I own up to it. I tell him, I know he knows, but it's good for me to confess. It's good for me to hear myself say audibly that I'm in agreement with you that what I did was wrong. That was wrong. That was not truth, and that's not the real Steve. So I repent of that. Um, So regarding the New Covenant, I had shared on Facebook this week, and I had a lady who had said uh, she had had experienced so much destruction from her family growing up, so much harm that was done to her. And she told the Lord, I know I'm under the law to forgive. I know I'm under the law to forgive, but it's just so hard. And I can't do it. And what she did, she kept washing herself with the word that I am a forgiver. I am a forgiver. This is who I am. So I just wrote back to her. I was glad that she's free. Praise God. But I said, the only law that you're under now in the new covenant is Romans 8, 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Christ, now that he's in you, He's not demanding forgiveness from you. He's supplying forgiveness to you. The forgiveness you need for your own self and to forgive your family is Him at work in and through you. 
Amen. So super important that we're able to rightly divide the new covenant from uh, the old covenant. It's empowering. So the Greek word for prayer in the New Testament reveals it's a place of exchange, his desires for ours. If you eat the word prayer many times in the New Testament, uh, it's exchanging desires. So how do we know God's desires? Well, we're going to delight ourselves in him. We're going to practice prayer as listening. Prayer is receiving. Uh, how about praying in the praying in the spirit? If you're born in England, you pray in English. Sorry, pray in English. You speak English. If you're born in Spain, you speak Spanish. If you're born of the spirit, you speak spirit. Amen. Meditating, fasting. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So in prayer this morning, Stacy was in my office with Dottie and Ed. And one of the things that... Ed had really captured was, and we've said this before, uh, where a discipline, because we're talking about being disciplined about prayer. I want to spend time in prayer, prayer listening and so forth. It can become a delight. It's no longer a discipline, but now I delight myself in the Lord. I delight in Him in prayer. And then thirdly, desire comes. And I desire the things that he desires. Amen? Discipline to delight to desire. And I think it's interesting, too, that if we'll delight ourselves in him, he'll give us the desires of our heart. He'll really give you the real desire of your heart. Did you know that the love of Christ, love of God, has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit? You have a brand new heart. You love God more than you think you do. If you'll take time to delight yourself in him, he'll give you the real desires of your new creation heart. You will be obedient. You'll walk out the things he's asking you to do. But you need to delight yourself in him. Stop delighting in drama. Stop delighting in whatever the world's doing. Amen, somebody. But delight yourself in the Lord and then desires come. Thank you, Jesus. And this is, this is big because we all struggle at times doing what he says. Amen. Amen. All right, last thing. I was at lunch with Robert Hicks this week and we kind of broke this down. I want to give this to you. Super helpful. Really, really, really pay attention to this because there's some great stuff here. Romans 6, 14. We want to not only hear his voice, we want to walk it out. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, you're under grace. Okay, new covenant lens. You're not under the law. And anytime I see law, I'm thinking law of performance, law of Steve's effort. So Paul's saying, Steve, sin doesn't have to dominate you, dominion, anymore. You're not under the law of your own ability. You're not stuck with just you and your efforts. Now I've got grace, favor. God's empowering presence is on me for Him to, through me, execute His will. Execute what He wants done. I'm no longer under my own ability. I've got Christ's ability in me. Verse 15, okay, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you're that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin that leads to death or obedience leading to righteousness? Very interesting here. So you're free from sin. Let me go ahead and read through this. But God be thanked that you were once slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart 
that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became a slave to righteousness. So everybody say, I'm a slave to righteousness. All right, so before Stacy and Elizabeth and Jaretta met Jesus Christ and got born again, where he's not living in there, they had no ability to not sin. Even if they knew morally in their conscience, like I shouldn't do that to that person, they really don't have power. They're a slave to sin. What does that mean? Their inward bent is towards sin. So even when they try and want to do right, they really don't. But once they're born again, Jesus Christ comes in them, who is righteousness, makes them a brand new creation, and now they have a new bent. Now they're a slave to do what's right. And when they, when they blow it, guess what? They can't get away with it. They don't just say, oh, that's no big deal. Oh, no. Not, not if he's in here. He's knocking on that door of your heart saying, you know what? That's not what I created you for. That, that is doing harm to your brother or your sister. And love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. My love is in you. That's not how we're going to walk. So now we're slaves to righteousness. We have, as born-again Christians, we have a bent to do what's right. Don't let people tell you you're a sinner saved by grace. You're a brand new creation. You have a bent towards righteousness. You're, you're a slave unto God to do what He wants you to do. To do what's in your heart to do as a new creation. You have a new heart. Verse 18 again. Having been set free from sin... You became slaves of righteousness. So what he's saying is, why, as a free person, bent towards righteousness, why would you go submit yourself to sin? Because if you obey sin, you're going to make it your master. And it'll lead to death and things you don't like. Um, Let's see. Verse 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members... As slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Submit your body, submit your mind, submit your heart to the Lord for His purposes. To walk in holiness. Not so you'll be holy, but because you are holy in Christ. You are holy. You are made new. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What he means there is you didn't have that bent towards righteousness and right doing. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So he's saying just stop it. That's not who you are. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're actually, you're you're really bent towards righteousness. That's why those things are embarrassing to us. Verse 22 But now having been set free from sin and become slaves unto God, you have your fruit unto holiness and holy living. And the end of that is everlasting life, knowing Christ. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, knowing God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that make sense to you? It's a powerful truth here. There'll be days, let me be real with you. There'll be days that you feel God's agapeo love. Now, agape love is a noun. God is love. 
But John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave. Okay, that word is the verb of agape. It's called agapeo. You're not going to always feel agapeo bursting forth. Those days, it's easy to love, right? It's easy to do right. It's easy to walk in righteousness when you're just, you can feel him. Does this make sense to you? Like, man, I'm so connected today. I don't know what happened, but man, I tell you, I just feel the presence of the Lord and you're empowered to do what's right. You're not always going to feel that. So even on the days you don't feel the agapeo agapeo love, let me go ahead and give you the definition. It's the love of God inside of you where he leads you, prods you to choose his choices. It's a verb. Mm -hmm. Love of God is at work in your heart, prodding you to prefer his preferences, choose his choices. You're not always going to feel that, so guess what you should do? Obey anyway. Obey anyway. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. The things I ask you to do, go ahead and do it. Now, I'm empowering you, but you don't always feel that in your humanness. But it doesn't change the fact he's there. And it doesn't change the fact the real reality is you love him even when you don't feel the feelings of love. So you still got to choose truth. You choose to obey him. Choose to do what's right even when the feelings aren't there. Why? Because your obedience... Even when you don't feel like obeying Jesus, your obedience is love, not law. When we obey Him, even though we don't feel like it, it's not law. It's still love to choose Him. Because the real reality is you do love Him. You're just not feeling Him or experiencing Him in that moment. So He's with you. He's in you. You're not earning anything in it. You're just overruling your feelings and choosing truth. Understand today that the loyalty of your heart has been changed and you have a bent towards doing what is right. And proof of that is every time you do it wrong, he lovingly lets you know. Amen? Like a good father training up his son or his daughter Stephen, you guys can come. To discipline, Hebrews 6, to discipline. The Father disciplines those He loves. That means to teach and train while with. It doesn't mean He throws you in the garbage. Well, you blew it. I want nothing to do with you. We don't do that with our kids, right? (laughs) Your one-year-old fell over how many times trying to learn to walk? Remember when you picked him up and just put him in the yard and discarded him? Said, this one's defective. He's fallen down like six, seven times. <laughs> no, he's learning to walk. Well, the Father's the same way with you. He's going he's gonna to teach you to walk. And he'll use your slip-ups. He'll teach you. He's a great Father. He's with you. Never leave you or forsake you. Amen? Stand with me. Now listen, I want to do one more thing. Because it's important that you don't just get information and revelation today. You need application. So here's my ask. I'm going to ask something of you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. If you're not spending time with Jesus already, here's my ask. I want you to take 10 minutes starting tomorrow. In Luke 15, we didn't get there today, but it's okay. Take 10 minutes in Luke 15 and sit with the Lord 
verse 11 through 32 is the parable of the prodigal son and simply just as you sit with him jot down what he highlights to you in the scripture I am asking you if you haven't been sitting with the Lord you're not spending time in prayer start that tomorrow that's my ask start start listening and then jot down some things that you see you don't have to have it all together but let's get started Secondly, if you are spending time with Jesus, here's my ask. I want you to sit in Romans chapter 6 that we covered today, verse 14 through 23, and just ask the Lord, Lord, is there anywhere here where you're not king? Is there any area of my heart and life that you desire to manifest yourself through? Maybe where I'm leading or I'm stumbling. Uh, Is there any place of lordship that you have for me? Uh, That's my ask for those of you that are listening. Now, while every head is bowed and I close, I want to say this. If you have never been born again, you've never invited Jesus Christ, the living word, inside your heart to be your Lord, your Savior, and your best friend. But you say, Brother Steve, I want to do that today. I want to begin today knowing Christ. Will you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me? Anybody here? Okay. Father, as we get into this song, as we sing this in unity and in spirit and in truth, Lord, we just invite you to penetrate every heart, speak to our heart, Lord, leading us and guiding us in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.